Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 8 of the IGDA Twin Cities Podcast, the International Game Developers Association of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm your host, Ryan Foss, and with me tonight is Jackie. Hello. And Tori. Howdy, folks. So we're going to talk about game development in Minnesota and uh, beyond, I imagine. What have you guys been up to for the last month? Game development and beyond. <laughs> beyond Minnesota, at least. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, gosh, this last month has been a complete whirlwind, just a whirlwind, and I'm glad that um, it's kind of over. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you have a lot to say, don't you? Um, the... Well, let's see. So I think... We did the last podcast. Um, since then, I had been on TV. Oh, right. And, so. and then um, a few other news pieces. I've got, like, some interesting deals in the works. And um, But we didn't move on in the Minnesota Cup, but Conquer did, which is pretty freaking cool. Oh, so cool. super excited about that. And then in some ways, I'm kind of relieved because... I just um, wasn't prepared to get on another roller coaster for the next two weeks. <laughs> mm. yeah, I um, appreciate that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's pretty much business stuff right now, and uh, and it's good. Oh, and I'm in the um, Old Republic beta, which is all I can say about it. What's oh, that like? Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> no. <laughs> how'd you get into that <laughs> I just applied and they picked oh, okay. me that's cool do you know how many people are in the beta do you have any idea I honestly don't know I think there's more than one server but I honestly don't know okay enough I guess until you can talk about it right <laughs> as for me um, it's been a whirlwind as well um, mostly uh I, don't, I have no idea where the time has gone, to be honest, but uh been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, the Bleeps has come along pretty well. Uh, Rob just released a sort of development video of progress we've been making. It's mostly him, but it's it's going pretty well. I'll put a video in the um, show notes for people that want to see it. Um, been working some of the community project I pitched at the meeting last uh, in August. Um, we can talk about that a little bit later, I think, but it, it's been it's been good, actually. The response has been great. Yeah, I was really impressed by the response, so awesome job. Yeah, yeah I'm going to try to keep that going, too, and I'll be presenting again at the beginning of next with some progress and whatnot. More on the announcements when that actually happens about next month. Um, otherwise, I spent a good chunk of time with the Humble Indie Bundle 3. I don't know if you guys looked into that or got it. So I spent some time with that, and I uh, sort of had a nerdgasm with sci-fi on Netflix. So <laughs> l- luckily I don't have any more Torchwood to watch, and I'm done with season one of Farscape. So, mm. But a funny story about that, the wife walks in, and she's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, Farscape? And she looks at it, and she goes, Muppets? <laughs> and she just walks out of the room and goes, nerd. <laughs> That's awesome. So, 
that's that's been my week. Oh, I did do a bunch of uh, or some level design stuff for Bleeps with uh, one of the artists, and been working on a like a land level generator in Unity um, oh. that we can just quick publish to uh, Rob's engine. So it that's pretty interesting. So it lets you paint terrain with levels, and then calculates textures, and then saves out objects, and then you can load them in and put bleeps on it and stuff. So I should make a demo, a little video of that. It's not a bad idea. Anyway, how about, how about you, Tori? What have you been up to? I know you had to ditch us on our uh, community project Skype meeting because you were busy. Yeah, sorry. I've, uh, I've, uh, was, work, was working on music, some music, and uh, I've been trying to I got a bunch of music. Just, just I guess it's, it's really just the normal stuff. I've been doing a lot of voice acting and music, and, and um, um, taking a class online through through State. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. And so it's not crazy, nothing crazy, but um, it's been it's been sucking my time. What's um, the class? So, um, it's this one English one ninety. Uh, my, uh, all it's, it's all stands between me and a, and a, a degree, a degree, degrees. Oh wow. Yeah. So. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I still have to pass it. It's a mess. So. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I got my degree, the, the toughest classes for me were those ones, like English, because I had to try. I I I I just cannot write papers. I I find every excuse not paper papers. Mm. Sweet sweet floors, like do stuff I'd never do. I probably I probably <laughs> learn how to crochet pretty soon. You know what? <laughs> Here, Tori, I'll tell you what I, the conclusion I came to was just write, just garbage. Don't reread anything, just put it down. (laughs) The craziest thoughts, right? Dump it out. You'll get two pages of just pure BS without too much trouble. And you'll you'll find that there's stuff in there you can expand on. And you end up deleting most of it, but you can go back to it. I actually had some really good stuff come out of that. (laughs) What's what's always really hard for me is like, like as a writer, I'm always trying trying to find like the smallest, uh, trying to squeeze the most out of meaning out of the smallest words of words, uh, and uh, English pa- papers really want you to have a lot of content. Yeah, I hate it's that. Really, to do hard for me because I'll, I'll say what I need to say, at least what I what I feel like I need to say in like four pages, and then what fifteen. So it's a, it's a it's a big struggle for me. But anyway, just I'm just yeah. So I've been busy doing, doing the development, doing some doing the procrastination. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's been a, thinking of great ways, great ways and fun stuff. But Do you have uh, it takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff that slows me down the most. Emails, actually. There's been times at work where an hour and a half has gone by, and I've worked on an email. I'm like, I should have just called this person. It would have been done in five minutes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So you're doing music for? Is it Soldat? Is Soldac. that for Soldat? Yeah, yeah. Soldac. Yeah. yeah. And it's pretty interesting because I, because I was kind of given I was given a blank basically late basically, and uh, so. Is it is it a sequel to the to the other game, Den's Curse? No, this no, this one's like a sci-fi game. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, so, but uh, it, it it's interesting, interesting because it's a, basically a completely new IP for um, for, um, for Soul. And so, oh, you know, I, it it's really cool. Kind of given been given been given launched hard, but at the same time, it's like, um, you know, it, it's been it's been interesting racking my brain to to find. Because essentially, what happens when you fight some, something? There, there's a theme song for that type of a race uh, uh, when you fight them. So, so I'm trying to write stuff that, of course, the response to the races sounds different, different than the other, but it sounds still sounds unified. 
like it's like it's all game games so games um it's really fun it's really fun it's a one challenge yeah that's kind of cool have you gotten inspiration from the band in star wars <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't get it out of my head either. That's my theme song. It runs. That's, it runs all the awesome. time. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah. Oh no, that's that's I I love to spend a lot of time banging away, banging away at the keyboard and my head and my head and look completely like a complete goon. But that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool guys. Yeah. It's uh... let's talk about community project though. Yeah, well, um, I suppose I should introduce that introduce introduce that with um, a little review of what last uh, the last meeting was. So the August meeting was uh, I presented a short little what Zach calls um, member projects. So I did a little thing on community projects and like the arcade system thingy I've been experimenting, playing with, and whatnot. And then um, the main feature of the meeting was conquer which is a local Minnesota startup company that's making a game, a geosocial game of world domination. So we can talk about that too. But before we do that, the, uh, yeah, the community project thing. So I presented a quick little demonstration of what the Winatron is. Had you guys heard of the Winatron before? Had I ever no. known you at all about it? So no, I actually hadn't heard of it until your meeting. So, um, the Winnetron is a arcade machine that came out of uh, Winnipeg, Canada. And it's not the first one that's like this. It's just the best organized one. They did an awesome job organizing. They went to GDC, and it really like sprung board them into, into rec- being recognized. So what it is, it's literally an arcade machine, but you, put, you build it, or you build one, put it in a public place, and then you get all the games that are um, sort of like certified for it or whatever come with it. So it's got a little interface and all that stuff. So I presented the idea of, hey, let's anybody got any ideas or whatever, let's make a game and put it on the Winitron. Because they put everything out there you need to do in order to get on there. So and that actually that pitch went pretty well because the response um has been good. We've had two Skype meetings now and the uh although the um the list has been not really active with discussion or whatever, but it started out very good as we uh, came up with a way to communicate with Skype, but um, it's been good. I'm actually impressed with the amount of response we got. One guy, after the meeting, um, he he went home and he made a little, he had an idea, so he made a prototype, and he presented it at the Skype meeting, and it actually is a really good idea. So we're gonna we're gonna march forward with that, and there is a possibility, Tori, that Extinction Fist might have some 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 extension onto this as well. Sure. <laughs> That's been brought up as well, although that needs a bit more art. Um, yeah, I think we were able to bite right off, but I think it's got potential. Yeah, it's great. It's great, and it's great. It'd be really cool to see uh, um, an IGDA team on that uh, the win the winner trial. That'd be really really cool. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it'd be neat just to have something that I contributed or built on there as well. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple prototypes of my own. I started up a little bit. But it's it's not as easy as you might think sometimes. Well, <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, failure is a is a is a is a learning process. <laughs> and so actually, 
as a you know a fledgling programmer, I'm I'm capable, but not real good. And things tend to get out of control. Well, it's like they work really well in small scale, but once you start to make them bigger, they they become unwieldy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's the th- that's the skill I'm working on right now. Um, which is going really really well at work, but that's because I have an excellent framework to kind of emulate. But anyway, I also presented a. A front end for arcade machines, which I thought was was pretty interesting. I don't know if the if the audience thought it was interesting or not, but that hyperspin I think is pretty cool. The, the, did you oh did you make that 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 front the front end? No, the front end. There's this uh, program out there that's designed for people that sort of build oh, okay. arcade machines, you know, for hobby or whatever, and it's just a front end wrapper that lets you pick whatever emulators. And so I just, they, they made it so that you can easily add in any number of wheels and stuff. So, you know, there's gotcha. all those game systems from Sega and Neo Geo and, and MAME sure. and Super Nintendo or whatever. But I threw one on there that was, you know, games that are just listed as, you know, games that I would care to put on there just as demonstration. So, but, but that's, you know, you could take that whole interface and strip out all the, the other stuff and just make it, you know, just for, um, your own personal PC games or something like that. Listeners, the listeners out, uh, um, go and check out, check out the link, the link actually for the video that's out, it's up yet. Check out the link, the link in, you can actually, the, the actual little, little arcade controller and buttons that run up with this. Really cool. It is really cool. I totally agree. Yeah, I'm going to, a little bit better organized for next month's meeting. I'll be, if, depending on, Zach said he might have another member project, but, um, my intent would be to, Sort of open it up that if you got there early, you could come and just play games and play around with it. You know, we'll set it up in the corner. Meeting doesn't necessarily start till like seven, you know, anyway. So then you're welcome to get there at six. So we'll put it in the corner or something and, and play on it. And I'll present a little status meeting of how the project's going and, and whatever else that, 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 that we come up with in the next couple of weeks before. Cause it's three weeks until the next, hmm. next meeting, I think, or two weeks. Yeah, is it, um, yeah, I think it is three weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's three. It's going to be here sooner than, than I expect, though. Yeah, the last <laughs> one, I was up till three making that PowerPoint, and I had planned on working on the PowerPoint before the, before I went up there, and I didn't have any time. <laughs> but that's okay. That worked, that worked, worked out, though. Yeah. The uh, the main project presenting last month was Conquer. Yeah, Andy Andy Pickett from from Conquer presented their geosocial game of world domination. So Conquer is kind of like a Foursquare meets Risk. I think that's how they put it. Yeah. yeah Foursquare meets Risk. So you take over areas by location and uh, something about nanobots or your army and. Um, there's three factions. It actually was really interesting. The, I was more interested in the whole like theory of game design and mm-hmm. stuff than 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 the actual implementation. But it, it's amazing how much information you can get out of it too. Yeah. yeah. And there's some really interesting challenges they'll be with. I think which it sounds like they're going to be able to tackle. But um, since it's station based. When, especially, especially when you talk about rural areas, and some people have brought it up, how you, is how you deal with, you deal with proximity or distance, you know, if you're, you know, 
in a rural area, hot area, how do you how do you deal with so so I think that's really interesting. I think they'll come up with a good solution. Yeah, we should probably say that the the game isn't is sort of beta. I mean, it's out there now, but it's also develop sort of live developing. Is that mm-hmm. is that true? Well, they're iterating and they're adding. Yep. So it's it's like the web version exists, but now they're making all the the mobile. Right. Right. True. Yeah, they'll actually have apps that are on Android and and um iPhone or iDevices. Instead and of Windows Seven too, yeah. And right. Windows instead of, just, instead of just accessing it through a website. Sounds like they got big plans. I, I will say I have that problem. I'm I live in St. Michael, which is sort of a, a rural suburb of the Twin Cities, and you know, I, I didn't try the game until I got home the next day and mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I couldn't do anything. I, I picked mm-hmm. I picked the faction, I think I picked the swarm. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Everybody in like the surrounding thirty miles is swarm, so <laughs> there's literally nothing I can do in the game. So I, I like tried to figure out what I could do, and there was nothing to do. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, I should have I should have tried it when we were actually in the cities. It might have been more interesting, but um, it was funny too because I looked at where I work, and there's two sites near where I work, and they're both swarm as well. Oh wow. Yeah, it's sort of like the whole 94 corridor heading out is, is, is the same faction. I'd have to, and this is my understanding of it. I, I don't know if it's for true or not, but that you actually kind of have to travel to those other places if you want to be like really fighty. Did you guys pick yeah. that up or did you try it at all? Yeah, I'm not, I'm actually not sure if you have to, it sounds like once you've, once you've been there though and you add it to, like I forget what they what they're called, but like those bases or whatever they are, then um, at that point you can protect or attack them from anywhere. Okay. Yeah, I need to go back to it and try it again. I know that um, Bo, the, he did our website for the IGA TC, and uh, he he was having some fun with it at the bar. Oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, after the meeting. That'd probably be quite a bit of fun if you had a job that required a lot of traveling. And, you know, especially if you're in the airplane, uh, I guess I guess you can't use your cell phone. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no. As <laughs> you're flying over, yeah. <laughs> Nanobots! <laughs> Deployed everywhere. Who takes trains? But if you take trains or yeah, on the gray, Greyhound, uh, um, or next jetpacks. Jetpacks, yes, yeah, yeah. or or turbine packs. <laughs> so, and you know, and I guess they brought it up, and I think didn't think about that. That, but there really could be interesting, interesting business applications. They give some examples, like example, like, uh, like uh, some was it was it a was it a pizza place or what was it that um local guy guy came up with and was really excited about it when they uh, when they went. Some 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 gathering in, in yeah, I think it was a pizza place. And, uh, uh, when when they brought that up, I just realized that really there's some really are really cool really cool marketing because they 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 still they could things they could do is basically set up a project for someone else. Um, wanted if they wanted to use the technology, obviously, obviously it'd be an interface and some different probably graphics, but you could have your own marketing scheme. Um, they're also talking about special. You'd go, you'd go to Spotify and be able to get a special coupon or something like that. Like that. 
um, or maybe get maybe get bonus swarm or something like that. I don't know. Let's just both both nanobots. But um, yeah, yeah, there there could be some really interesting marketing that they could, that they could do with that too. Um, I thought one of the really interesting things that he presented was like all their flu influences and stuff. Like, I'm interested in like where ideas come from sometimes. And mm-hmm. so they were bringing up things like Snow Crash was a book that influenced them and the interfaces from Star Trek The Next Generation and um, stuff like that. Yeah, I That's, actually thought that was really fascinating too. They were talking about like the vibe you want about, you want, they wanted you to get out of it, you know. And they even referenced Fight Club. Which, um, I'm like, this sounds like everything I would love. Fight Club is like one of my favorite movies. Snow Crash is, is an awesome book. I'm like, yeah, this is, if you can capture that vibe in something, that's a really great target. And then he, and then he referenced World of Warcraft, which threw me way off, but. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, that was one of the things I loved about, like, when Andy was presenting was all of the like World of Warcraft vocabulary he was using. He's like, I don't want people to just face roll. And I was just like, oh my god, I haven't heard that in so long. <laughs> Love face? It. What's a face roll? You're going to have to tell me. So like face rolling is basically it's so easy you could just roll your face over the keyboard. And, like, <laughs> okay. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I did not know that term, so. I, and I about I about died when he said that. I was like, "Oh my god, I haven't heard that in so long." <laughs> this is kind of funny. So, so oh. So ahead. actually, like related, not exactly related to to the conquer meeting, but what's your opinion? It sounds like it feels like there's like a lot more people coming to the IGDA meetings, and a lot more different people coming to the IGDA meetings. Thoughts? Yeah, I think actually we've grown a bit different. Like, I think separating from MSB a bit might have actually helped. The nerdery, I think, is an attractive place for people to come, and 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 I think that the group just we've we've done a lot in the last year to step it up with things like the podcast, the videos, the the website being like a place. I mean, we've kind of lost some of the stuff like the the web forum group of the Google or whatever we had before, but. I think all that stuff is attracting more and different people. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. What if they don't recognize uh, every time, actually? Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so listener, if you're if you're one of those people, you need to stick around and come say hi. <laughs> yes, our one listener. Yeah. Hey, I listen. <laughs> our one listener that isn't us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I'm super popular. I'm the host of a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you <laughs> have e fame. There's only like 20 other people in the world that do this. <laughs> <laughs> super hard. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, we're nowhere nowhere using using again when again when we say cast, but uh, it's uh it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's out it's out there. It'll catch on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know what we we don't know what the meeting is for next month yet. I mean, we might have to just have a longer happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would, that would, that would too. 
I know that while well, I was talking to Zach about it, he's got a couple things out there, and he's trying to call some cards on on people that were, you know, that game developers in the community oftentimes time gets away from them, you know. Oh yeah, so, tell me about it. Yeah. Right. So I know that a couple of them have been, you know, they were sort of on call and and they've been shuffled around or whatever, and he's trying to get a couple to lock down. So I'm, I'm not sure what will happen or not, but he's got something. Uh, I know that he's got a potential. And I mentioned it before, a member project, maybe, um, a member from the XNA user group, mm-hmm. uh, recently published their game onto Xbox Indies Live. Cool. So it's out there now. It's, it's called, um, what's it called? It's called The Penguins Beware. Beware of the Penguins. What's wrong with the Penguins? Well, they're <laughs> okay. So my thought of it is, is they're kind of like Linux. So here's your chance on a Microsoft device to shoot penguins. I don't know oh. if that's true or not, but it, okay, you could definitely get that vibe out of it. But anyway, they went through the. If you guys know anything about the XNA processes, you have to you build your game and it has to go to peer review, and then mm-hmm. it has to and it has to meet all these expectations. So peers review it, and then they help you get through, and then it goes to actual review, and that's where they like. You know, try to try to break it, so to speak, and uh, and if you have to pass, and then it'll go live. So it, it would be interesting to hear his experience with that because I know they've been working on the game for a couple of years, but um, I'm not sure if they'll they'll present or not. I think I heard something about Wednesdays being tough. And then there'll be me, as I mentioned before, just a little thing, and then hopefully we can, hopefully Zach has got somebody, but. You know, you know, just kind of weird, weird sidebar. With the, of all, the, of all these indies coming out, and games, games getting so popular, and there's kind of like an, like an 8-bit renaissance going on, do you think people's expectations of how a graphics need be are kind of upping a little bit, a little bit? Or do you think there's a there's a there's a community that's always always going to say it's got to be bleeding it, but but uh, yeah, what what do you guys think? I hmm. think that the people that need really great graphics are fewer. I think that that's like your hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, as people that still play World of Warcraft, it's pretty obvious that that they don't necessarily really care about graphics. Sure. And you know, there's not a lot of I mean, there are other games that come out, the Battlefield and the Call of Duties and whatnot, that try to push it some, or Crisis. But I don't think it's as much of a selling point as it used to be. It still is braggable in many cases. But it's it's like point. a... It's a nice to have, but like it's not necessary for the game to be awesome. Yeah, Jim Sterling wrote a bit, uh, an article on that a while back about... Uh, graphics and how people kind of skew the reviews of games with regards to graphics sometimes. Mm-hmm. Which was, an, I don't know if you guys know Jim Sterling or not, but he's sort of an asshat reviewer. <laughs> That's admirable because you, you can trust him because he seems to be real all the time. But, uh, he, he specifically referenced, uh, the Majin and the Lost Kingdom or something like this. And it's a platformy puzzle game. It's actually a pretty fun game. I went and got it because of his recommendation. And the article talking about how it's not the best of graphics, but it's a pretty decent game. And it'll probably be sort of 
left o- uh, ignored because it's not super shiny. Sure, sure. But, you know, I, I'm i looking at the graphics, and I'm like, I'd be proud if I had made that. I think they're pretty decent. But Sure. Now, now do you think that that's uh, some... Do you, do you think the kind of bleeding edge grass? Do you think do you think that is a, is a kind of kind of a uh, like a tie between between men and women? Like uh, uh, men may gravitate towards really super graphics, whereas women may not. Or do you think it's just, uh, really just personality driven? Mm, I don't know if I. I think it's probably more like personal preference. Gotcha. But I think at the end of the day, people would prefer to have a like you know high quality gameplay sure. over how awesome it looks sure. you know well, well, you, you, <clears throat> and just looking awesome is it going to be great if right, right. the game's buggy and not fun right well you, you're probably thinking like more of the realism in in graphics but i think you can have high quality graphics that are you know very cartoony or very stylized or something like that because like sure. limbo i thought was an awesome aesthetic. You know, Limbo is the, I believe it's Xbox Live only. I th- it just came to Steam, I think. But it's a, yeah. it's sort of this puzzle platformer, but it's played almost completely in silhouette. And if, mm-hmm. In fact, I think it's always the foreground is silhouette. But it's a beautiful little game, and I think it does it very well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I don't know if people would call that high-quality graphics, though, either. But I think that it did really well with what it what it presented there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually one of the few games I'm writing right now. When I when I get a chance, chance I'll sneak up and play it. it, it the, the presentation is wonderful in that, in that game. It, it gives the <laughs> aesthetic and the the feeling that it leaves you with is with is so cool, cool. Well, in that case, I mean, it's part of like the whole package, right? I mean, because like there's symbolism in the way that those graphics are. I mean, it goes it adds to the entire narrative. So like, yeah. it's all part of a consistent theme, which right. people appreciate. But like, yeah. So if you just have like awesome, super realistic graphics and you know breast physics, <laughs> like and the rest realistic, of the game, realistic breast physics. And um, you know, it, and the game sucks. Like, yeah, or yeah. or like the realistic breast physics don't really fit in with the rest <laughs> of the game. Like, then, then uh, then that's where the disconnect happens. And I think anytime there's kind of a disconnect with the narrative, whether it's like, um you know, graphical or gameplay-wise or whatever, um, or inconsistency in a story or something, um, I think that that's where people get lost mm-hmm. in general. Right. I'll agree with you. It is the whole package. It's um, sort of one of those things, too, that graphics tends to overwhelm some of the whole package sometimes. Yeah, or at yeah. least it seems to in reviews. Like, why... People even mention it sometimes as questionable. But I know when I was younger and games would come out and they went from 16 color to, you know, 32 color or something like that, it was like mind blowing. Whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa, this game runs at 640 by 480. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, oh. that's so awesome. <laughs> this ASCII game is now in color. Oh my gosh. Whoa. My mom, grum, grum, all right. Well, um, one thing I did want to mention real quick was because we've been talking about the Amazon App Store pricing, uh, terms of service stuff, 
and a little bit more news has come out of that. And so me, me and Rob of Battery Power Games were looking into it to see just, you know, how much money we could maybe generate out of, out of being in the Amazon App Store. Now, the idea that, you know, being on another shelf at another store means that you'll make more money. That's, that's true. <clears throat> but it's interesting because like, remember we were talking about last month about, um, that apparatus game and he had 180, thousand downloads in the day he was the app of the day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, t- it turns out amazon you know they put out their terms of service and they say they'll give 20 percent of your list price but what they're doing to these developers these smaller indie developers is they're saying would you like to be the app of the day we'll give you zero percent for real Yes, that's what they do. So it's sort of this thing. You're not supposed to talk about it, but these people are coming out and they're basically saying, yeah, avoid the Amazon App Store because it's BS. Mm. And so these other companies, they like, well, we got to take the risk. We got to do it. And then they do it. And, you know, they get 100,000, 200,000 downloads. And that may or may not, depending on the game, of course, impact it. In, in one article I read, it impacted them because they couldn't handle the load. Right? Mm. For all these people that they had is now using their service for free. Right, so now you're and, paying for all that bandwidth. Yeah, and they, they then they published their like sales, and it literally only gave them a tiniest of a bump for a day. Like their average sale is four, and the the day after was like 16 sales, and the next day was 12 sales, and they evened out again. I mean, it wasn't you know it wasn't a a huge bump or anything like that. And um, so that was sort of like really oh, that really blew the steam out of me thinking that that in two cases apparatus being one um which which i believe i had seen uh, somebody report that he got a zero percent deal and then um another one which was a, a podcast or rss reader or something like that um and they had horrible luck and pulled out of the app store as well hmm no, and I think in a marketing play also published a post so that they could get on the uh, newsworthy mm. thing in regards to the app store. But um, you know, it, it, it made me do a bunch of math on what I thought Deadly Chambers could do on the app store. And it, it basically came down to we could put it on there and Amazon would control the price, which you know means that we they could offer it for a dollar even though we don't want to. And the number of sales we get... Um, is is probably going to be comparable to what we get in, you know, the uh, that that the, the app store right now. It's not worth the the time and energy and everything to go through their yeah. their stuff and the disconnection between the consumer and the developer. And I don't know. It just it actually seemed like a real nightmare proposition, all for you know upwards of four hundred dollars extra income a year. Right. Yeah. Well, I. I assume too that they don't approve all the people that want to apply for to be an app like featured as an app of the day or whatever either though, right? I'm not exactly sure how they do that. They do have an approval process, so you have to you don't you can't just publish there. You have to be approved. And that's just like on iPhone, right? It's gotta go through their approval process. And I guess it takes like two weeks. But I guess it's also true of like if you submit and they don't allow you, right? You have to fix and then submit again, and there's you know another week delay, and then bug fixes. They're not instant. So like the Amazon or the the regular Google market is really great because if somebody reports a bug and they tell you, and you're the developer, 
you fix it and publish it, and you're talking like potentially 20 minutes, and literally it's fixed. But in the uh, and you know, like the Amazon app market, um, it can take weeks. I don't necessarily know, you know, where that blame can really go, because you know you don't necessarily want to put out buggy code either. But you know, right. the, the Amazon market just in, or not the Amazon, the Android market just in general is kind of tough with so many devices and so many unique interaction potentials that that uh, an indie kind of can't afford all the devices as well. So right, you have to pick one and. Or pick a target. Yeah, we discussed a lot of that last month. I don't think we need to go into it further, but basically the conclusion that I had of being really thinking that it was a good idea just to be on another store shelf, so to speak, came down to, oh my gosh, you know, stay away. Mm-hmm. It, it, and I'm pretty sure that the biggest draw out of that store is the free app. Right. So. No, well, I think that's enough about that. I don't think they're going to change their their terms of service anytime soon, so we probably won't be talking about it again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's the Amazon App Store podcast, yeah. <laughs> like episode eight. <laughs> <laughs> this week in the Amazon uh, terms of service, right? Yeah, it'll be podcast of the day. <laughs> or Amazon, Amazon pod, pod of the day or, day or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somehow, I I just don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I just, I think it's really schmarmy of them to offer 0%. Cause it they is schmarmy. Every, every benefit of it, and the developer gets literally nothing. I mean, well, in this, the one other article, and I'll, I'll try to find it, and we put, put it in the show notes. The, um, the other article, I mean, literally, they got an extra dozen, two dozen sales, basically, out of it. But that's not worth it. No one, no yeah, one, that's one harsh. For the, the day, 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 do they offer any turn, turn, turn down? Say yes, on, yeah, you could turn it. Okay. You, my understanding is they could turn it down. It, oh, it, it, let's say they picked it anyway. Right. I believe the terms of service is that they could, they could do it, but then they'd have to give you twenty percent. Gotcha. And that's not bad if you're really going to be 100,000 sales. I mean, that's a pretty good, in my opinion, uh, 20% of your list price. Now, um, now, can they change your list price on you? Yes, they can change the, the list price on you. So that they could say, okay, okay, your, your list price is, is going to be zero. It's going on the App Store. They could, but the terms of service you sign up for is that you get 20% of your list price minimum. So they could do that to you, yes. But but the examples of like apparatus and the other one is they drop the price from two ninety nine down to ninety nine, gotcha, right? Gotcha. And that that's not hitting the twenty percent, and that's not in the the marketing that you maybe as a developer you know wanted, right? Right. You you price your game at a at a price that you think is worth it for what your effort is, and then Amazon goes and and does whatever's best for them, right? Um, and that I that I think is the worst is the suckiest thing about it is they should have to confirm it with you or yeah. something. Instead of just at their whim, decide to drop prices. But anyway, so we're not going to be in the app, Amazon App Store anytime soon. I think there might still be potential as like a marketing thing where we could get like one of Rob's other games and and just sort of put it on there for free, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. demos or something. 
um, might be good and maybe try for like app of the day in, in promotion efforts for, for another a new game release. That's something we're thinking about, but I don't know for sure. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Jackie, I know that you had some interesting sort of, uh, user interaction, something or testers or something like that. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that we've been working on in the last couple weeks is um, our first round of our customer panel. So we have um, just over 20 people, men and women, who have agreed to a 15 to 20 minute interview. And um, we've interviewed about half of the group now. And it's been really fascinating to me, and I kind of wanted to share some of this. Um, so we've and I guess maybe what maybe the best thing to do would be just uh, start with the questions. So I'll ask you the six questions. You yeah, guys take turns answering, and then um, and then we'll discuss. So and I'll tell you what I've I've discovered. So uh, let me find the questions. I had them right here. <laughs> should should me and Tori go off and coordinate? <laughs> our, our, our our podcast persona for these answers. <laughs> okay, so question one is, what does your typical day look like? When are you most likely to play games? For how long? And what are you doing before and after gaming? Ryan, you want to go first? Oh, my typical day of gaming? Um, oh, if I averaged it out, I'd say I'm probably not playing. Playing my phone, probably. I mean, my ideal gaming is, you know, when I have a free moment to to do it, but I'm so damn busy. It's a real tough one. That's a tough question. Um, the games I enjoy most are ones that are actually um, involving, where I'm actually, like, part of the story, like big adventures and stuff like that. But it's so tough to find the right time to play those. So a lot of my gaming experience lately has been much smaller games where you play for... 10, 15 minutes, or two minutes, you know, on your phone. So, like, the Humble Indie Bundle has been really great because it's these games that are kind of in between that. But the unfortunateness of them is that I try one, play it for 20 minutes, and then the next day try the next one and play it for 20 Mm -hmm. minutes. So, uh, what am I doing before and after them? Um, Yeah. Well, I work the 40, and I have... A family and wife, so it's not till like nine o'clock that kids are done and stuff. And I typically don't play the games I want to play necessarily with them around because uh, they're all pretty young yet. And sometimes I play games with them, but not too much. Like Fruit Ninja actually on Connect is pretty good. That was fun, but I wouldn't call that really gaming experience. But and then it's television time and time with the wife, so it's like eleven o'clock. So that's what I'm doing before, and then after is usually sleep <laughs> for, for those that's, games. It's like last thing you do before you go to bed, yep. just some gaming. Yep. And I will say that, you know, not to be disgusting or anything, but my most of my phone gameplay happens when I'm sitting. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, we're, we're finishing it with that. <laughs> Talk about a fruit ninja. Oh, man. <laughs> 
Okay. I play about 30 minutes a day. <laughs> By the way, this isn't like a confidential panel question, right? Like, you, this is for the podcast, just FYI. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> Uh, All right. Uh, what about you, Tori? Well, I was I was about to say say I I have a very similar experience. Um, no, I I, I don't know. So, so, uh, so that makes it a little bit easier. But but uh, uh, actually, actually, the time it it uh take a little break, little break from from doing kind of whatever audio I'm doing doing, and then play for like ten minutes and it's. Um, I, I used to play a lot of very deep and deep involving games because RP, RPGs, but they're, they're, I'm just not just not the time the time to be in it in it. And though they're they're fun fun if you can only jump in, jump in for like five or ten or ten minutes because you lose lose a lot of the, the emotional connection. Um, um, usually usually work work and come home come home and do your stuff in in um, um a quick little little minutes or minutes or something. Uh, and and right go to, right go to bed. I'll probably uh, um, play some play some a, a little game. That's you know actually proved that it was it was a, is what I've been playing playing the last few days. They downloaded downloaded that child and it's pretty pretty genius little game. On your uh, phone? Yeah, on my phone. Okay, yeah, yeah it just came out for Connect, oh, which is gotcha, pretty gotcha. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and and then but, but every then I get a, a nice day where I should do should do a marathon session session and and so I'll play a, play a RPG RPG six six hours straight and get my get my own zones taken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, so question two, and maybe we'll do Tori first, is if you could change anything at all about the games that you play, what would it be? More reward exploration. Like, uh, like I, I kind of person likes like so. I see I see something I go and I go climb to the top of it or see if I can get it get in that hole there there or, or and I and I just hate it when there's nothing there there and not that there needs to be stuff stuff ever. But I love, love finding finding little little versions. So so um, um yeah, and and some games do a great job, but most games really really. And, and I I realize there's a time and problem where, but anyway, yeah yeah. More uh, that that's me me. So do you <laughs> think um so I mean, like let's talk about the exploration thing just a just a bit. So that with the exploration thing, is it that I mean. Is that like for more of a sandbox kind of game, or is that are you talking about like even like your typical more railroaded game? You want to do more exploration. Even 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 like a uh, what did games games go go? Uh, just you know, if it's like a, it's like a corner somewhere, uh, peek uh, your peek your head around. There's like there's like a little pickup or something like that. I I I feel rewarded the fact that I, that I I took the time to look to look there. Um, I mean I think. There's there's ways that developers can make and make that. I don't know. I've seen kind of games where where there's it seems like it had made this little pad pad and then just kind of stop stop worrying worrying about it because they went other went other way. So like either not have that kind of stuff stuff or or have side pad passages with little stuff. That's, that's, if that makes that makes any sense. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. You like finding the hidden rooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or I, I like, like I like their not to blank stuff, stuff basically. He wants, he wants all the secrets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love that. that. Like, like games are my escape, and would have, I would have loved, loved to explore, you know, in in ages past. So, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Alright, what about you, Ryan? Um, I guess, well, I'm not really an explorer so much. I love the idea of games where you can play and not find things, and that's okay. Um, but I guess, I guess mine would be more challenge. Um, it seems now that so many games just become this, you know, follow the path along the way and, and do everything that you know you need to do. And they might have like arbitrary dials to make the game harder, but I wouldn't say it makes it more challenging. Like I'd say puzzle, uh, like, uh, Portal is an awesome example of like the euphoria I felt solving puzzles in that game doesn't really relate to any other game I played necessarily mm. otherwise. Cause even games that I really engage with, like Fallout for instance, there's always a little marker on the map that I know where I'm going or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, Sometimes, like, I remember games of old where you just didn't know anything, right? You didn't know anything. <laughs> there was nothing. And and so you actually had to figure it out. And it wasn't that it was hidden. It, you know, the stuff was there. You just had to mm-hmm. figure it out. I think nowadays our hands are held a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I know I've, I, I've never played Demon's Souls, but it sounds like the perfect game for me. I haven't played that one either. Actually, actually, I got a little little, little caveat answer, answer right? But uh, it's kind of missing. Um, um, I also, I mean, I, I just mean just mean pick up setting like in like um like Left 4 Dead did really cool things where, where you you go into some crazy crazy num, num, there'll be there'll be like a uh, little note note someone scrawl wall or something like thing like that or like or like uh, Elder Scroll Scroll have like a really really cool looking tree or like or like a fall fall so so it doesn't need to be pick up pick up so just something that that. That reward rewards exploring. Like, like, oh, okay, yeah, that's awesome. The the fact yeah. that you find something that is noteworthy in one way or another. Yeah, and not necessarily an achievement or. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're like different, different looking rock. I mean, just just something like felt felt like the the time that you put into climb climb this ledge. At least there was there there. Even if even if it was a different of grass or something like like that. Just just right. I just like knowing that, that, Actually, that that's there. Yeah, I would like that. More if it's not necessarily a war, an in-game reward. Like you don't climb up there and find a special gun necessarily. Yeah, you yeah, find yeah, something yeah. that's you know you know like a a deeper story about the character's history or something like that. That would be great. Exactly. Yeah, something that gives you a little bit more flavor to the game, but otherwise doesn't give you any advantage to the game. Doesn't give yeah. you any insight to allow you you know anything. But but gives you as a personal you know attachment to it a little bit more. Oh, oh exactly. exactly. Very cool. Um, you both, yeah, you both answered that. Okay. So, <laughs> question three is, what is the biggest pain that you have with games today, and what does it cost you? Um, I guess the biggest pain I have is that, like, it sometimes it's difficult to remember what I was up to, because it might be a week between the last time I played and trying to pick it up again. Which is really difficult in regards to my other response, but like, like Fallout, it's been two weeks since I've played and I'm actually sort of dreading trying to go back because, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it's out of my mind. And if, if, if you play that game at all, you kind of end up in this inventory management hell where you store stuff in mailboxes and garbage cans and whatnot. And if you forget <laughs> this or don't write it down, you kind of like lose stuff and, or you end up going to places you've already been or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a number of games that way. But that's like a player problem, I wouldn't say. But. Okay. Um, Tori, 
I, I, I got I gotta agree with uh, I, um and and I'd also add map maps like poorly done poorly done maps drive me nuts. Uh, um, I'm a big I'm a big map person. Love looking at looking at maps. Uh, uh, but but uh, so they uh, they need to be need to be really navigable and, and need to do, need to do job of like like places that you that you especially in a lot of games I noticed I noticed you know you'll find this vendor it won't be it won't be on the map. And, you know, you you need to go find them, or you turn in a quest and tell you tell you. Uh, but that has with what Ryan said about finding stuff. And and the other thing I, I can't stand stand is um really really huge UI UI everywhere. Uh, I loved loved uh, Deep's um Dead Dead Space because it was genius genius. There's oh, that's UI, true. UI built into the into the game and it you pulls you into this fresh part of the game. The game. It did a great job with that because you kind of had to do internal memory inventory management. As well as you had what you needed in front of you. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's pretty good. So, what is what does that cost you? Oh, good good point. Uh, well, cost 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 game him game him. Uh, pulls me out of the game every, every like the the doing an inventory screen kind of kind of out and it, and it pulls you out of the game a little. A little. Uh, no, no. I mean, there's many instances where it says it has to has that way that way, and that's sustainable. But but then um, the maps map stuff in in keeping keeping it worse and worse was was that that drives me nuts because it that's really just time wasted when you're trying to figure out where stuff. So so a good, mm-hmm. a good way of of being able, being a mark mark yourself yourself and to be able to dump notes for yourself in game. Um um that'd be that'd be really useful. Did did you ever play um, Far Cry Two? Tori? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Did you like how they did the maps in that? Like when you're driving around? I'm trying, to, trying to remember. You, I loved it. Just brilliant because it, you had the map and you were driving and the map was on the steering wheel and you could look down at the oh, map. Yeah. Yep, yep. And that's right. because you're looking at the map, you're not driving well anymore. I love that. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Like, I I like oh, where am I going? And the next thing I know is I'm like going up this thing. I thought that was awesome. That's right. Because that, like that. that actually, actually, actually like a, like a map. Like, oh, like it you're literally was you were holding a map. No, I think I I believe it had like interactive arrow to show you where you were and whatever. But but yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. All right. Question four is how are you solving or dealing with these problems? Well, I have to be holder. Holder was graph paper, but uh, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> do you download? I mean, like for UI things, would you download a mod to yeah, fix yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I like do that for every every Elder Scrolls game. That's the first thing I do is I download a mod, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, just get the the interface closer closer to how I like it. And and um, and then I do a lot of of writing down stuff. Like remember, like Ryan said, you know, go out go out the spiral because he got stuck. Um, then. End up, end up way, way, or get, get shoved under a bunch of stuff, stuff <laughs> that I, that I'd so meticulously inventory map for a while, while. But uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of down, down. Yeah, that's what I've gotten to do is in in immersive games has been take notes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Question five: Who would you expect to solve these problems? Dipper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that some of the problems I have is just a limit of time. So it's like I just I probably should make better decisions about when I play 
I wouldn't necessarily put it all on on the developer. I'm trying to think of any game that I've played that's just had an awful interface. And although some of them are cumbersome a little bit, they're not too bad. I don't know. I think for me, my gameplay experience just needs to be managed better by me. Okay. Anything else you guys want to add to that? Tori just downloads a mod. <laughs> so, so in that case, if you if it's looking for mods, then he's expecting the community and the developers to to solve the problem, like you're putting. Yeah, okay. That's true. A thousand thousand extra credits mod. <laughs> no, no, I I don't like I don't like, uh, mods that give you more power or mods down down. Right. No, I didn't think it did. I wouldn't. That kind of defeats the whole purpose. If you're super into the game, I think there's reason to have those. Yeah. Like God Mode and and Doom was actually very beneficial in a lot of ways. Well, once you've already beaten, then then I then I think it's you know, do it, do whatever you have fun, fun, hi, hi. But but uh, (laughs) I feel like you need experience of the first person as a a developer's meant experience, or at least to the point where you're tired of the game and want something different. Yeah. Yeah. Because if the game hasn't captured you all the way and that's the next step in, in having letting you either complete the game or have fun with it, I think that that's totally justifiable. Very cool. Okay, last question. So if someone could solve these issues, what's it worth to you? What would you pay? Oh, I think it's like a buck forty nine for <laughs> for like a Coke with or a caffeine drink now. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to give up sleep. More so than I already do. <laughs> well, it, what do you will you will are you, are you saying for a game that that's all that stuff you mean or? So let's say you had the perfect game. Yeah, yeah. What would you pay for it? Like, I mean, it's the perfect game. It's on the right hardware. It's got all the stuff you like. You don't have to deal with anything extra. It's perfect. What's it worth to you? Well, I'll tell you what. I I normally don't buy games brand new. I generally don't. I wait sometimes to get them used or just in delay um, to when they're marked down or something. But like Portal is a game that I knew the experience or or the hopes of what the experience would be. I bought it day one. I bought it full price or slightly discounted through Amazon. And that's, I think, a, I think a, a extreme example of, of what I'd be willing to pay is that I want it so much that I'm willing to, to pay full price day one. And that's normally not me, I guess I should really say. Okay. I actually actually usually usually in this boat is Ryan, except there are, there are a couple games that come out a year and, and none of them have actually fulfilled all that. But but if they have collector's editions and their games I really like like the Elder Elder Scrolls out, out, I will buy the collector's edition and that'll probably be hundred fifty bucks bucks. So okay. I, I, yeah, I'd I'd pay that much for it. Otherwise, I pay four nine for a game game. <laughs> Steam has <laughs> been out been out for years, for years. Right. Yeah, I tend to want to just experience sometimes and not necessarily get the whole thing out of it. I want to know what people are talking about and, or why they find it interesting. More, but but that's like from the analysis side of it. Like, try to play and then also think, why am I am I having fun? What makes it fun? Yeah. It like it's mm-hmm. almost overanalyzing. It's not enjoying anymore. I also, I also also feel like like um like to like to buy games uh, um actually indie games because I feel like I'm making them out them out like 
my, 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 even though it's not a lot, a lot of money, you're not getting a lot of money from me. There's, there's a little, and, and, and it helps them for, for all the hard work that they've done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the game Portal, Portal 2 or Scrolls, feel, feel like they did a quality, quality job. I'd want to reward them in the capitalist sense with money for their, for their efforts. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm more likely to buy an indie game because I feel that it's supporting somebody who's really into it. Right. Then I would like, you know, Call of Duty or something like that. I'll wait. But games that that I've found a lot of enjoyment out of, such as Portal and Mass Effect, I bought day one as well. Yeah. Is because mm-hmm. I'm ex- I'm excited about them. Ooh, ooh. And and one other thing I noticed is games that don't live their community community very well. Um, I know that's shooting in the back in the past, but there there's a, there's a couple of just, just I didn't I didn't they can do whatever whatever they want, which you know. Games should have to do with the with the ask, asks, but I think you can you can make really good game because there's a lot of a lot of good ideas. Awesome. True. They're paying. They're, they're paying. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they are the, your the customers. Next. Yeah. Right. And and yeah. right side up side up saying saying a lot of times people people ask to change the thing the thing they like most game or game or find challenging the most rewards rewards but time times just a little just a little stuff. If you did this to the UI or or, or if you could auto travel your that would just, that would just no, no, stuff like that. Right. You know? Would well, be right. like that there should be more ammo in in Dead Space. <laughs> exactly. I mean that that would probably be a complaint that some people say, and and not right. because they don't like dealing with it. And that's you know a justifiable, a just you know a just thing to dislike that's something, but it is also kind of pivotal to the game mechanic. Gotcha. Well, those are my questions. So that's pretty interesting. Question. Question. Yeah, um, it was actually really interesting to hear your answers to them too. So, Jackie, what would be your answers to the question? Oh gosh, you can't ask me the question. <laughs> well, well. Uh, well, okay. So, question one: What does my typical day look like? I mean, I'm most likely to play games in the evening. I mean, right now my schedule is weird like it's never the same from day to day like some days I have to get up early some days I have to get up you know like I can get up later because I have to stay up later sometimes I have happy hour things to go to or like you know the IGDA meeting stuff in the early evening um sometimes I've got meetings during the day I have conference calls like every you know and the customer panels usually happen at night so it's like when all that's said and done um, or this podcast, for example, <laughs> like that's usually when I game. It's like in the in the afternoon or the evening, or not the afternoon. After all of that's done, um, every once in a while I can sneak in some gaming um, during the day, but usually I've got other stuff going on. And then um, on the weekends, I can sometimes, you know, go on a game bender if I if I want, but because um, I don't, you know. My husband's usually biking, and I don't have any kids. <laughs> um, and then, you know, usually, like, when I'm done gaming, then I go to bed. So I'm kind of, I find that's really common, actually. People game right before they go to bed. Um, two, if I could change anything at all about the games that I play, what would it be? Um, this is a really hard one. I guess my my biggest gripe is, like, more like inclusivity types of issues. If the narrative supports a certain, um, like if a narrative, like for example, like in um, in a lot of RPGs, if like the narrative supports a romance between 
your male character and a female NPC, or like several different female NPCs, but there's only like one male NPC for the female character, or like there's no same-sex romances or whatever. Um, those things kind of get on my nerves because I just feel like it's lazy. <laughs> um, especially like if it makes no difference to the story whatsoever. Um, Sometimes I think that in most cases where that's been noteworthy is because it's it becomes something journalists can write about or people can talk well, about. Well, no, it actually bothers me. Like, it really does. It's just it doesn't... Especially, like, when you're... You're always on the short end of the stick, <laughs> like which I usually am as a female gamer. I'm usually getting the shaft, so it's like um, it's a that's the one thing that I just don't like. Sure, <laughs> I can oh, I can appreciate that. Yeah, you know if that that would be the thing that I want to change the most. Um, question three: What is the biggest pain that I have today, and what does it cost me? Um, I guess related to question two, like, one of the things that kind of drives me nuts is, like, um, and I'm spoiling the end of Dragon Age here, but, like, the, the, the whole, like, Morgan's offer, if you're romancing Alistair, is, that, like, seriously made me, like, get up and walk away from the computer, it, and I really struggled with that one. It's, like, I have to go and ask my, you know, my character's like, betrothed, because they're going to get married, right? And, like, <laughs> to go sleep with this other woman and have her baby. So, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that just, um stuff like that where, like, uh, that really just breaks the, the immersiveness for me. I can deal with, like, you know, bad inventory and stuff. And I guess the second one is, like, UI. Like, when the user interface just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that bugs me, too. And how am I solving or dealing with these problems? Um, I tend to join a lot. I tend to make a lot of or use a lot of mods, and uh, fanfic is a good outlet for like really frustrating role-playing decisions, like like the whole Alistair Morgan thing um, that warranted some fanfic. Uh, <laughs> um, going to forums and like um, you know, kind of engaging with the community, like that kind of thing is how I deal with it. As far as who I would expect to solve these problems, um, well, I mean, a large part of it is the developer. You know, um, I realize, like, a game can't be all things to all people all the time, but there should be, like, you know, like, you would want to be have something be accessible. You'd want something to be inclusive if it makes sense for that particular narrative. Um, if someone could solve these issues, what would you pay? So... For me, I mean, yeah, it's like it's the difference between, you know, collector edition versus buying it used. It's kind of the same thing. Like, I'm more than happy to pay full price, sometimes twice over, um, for a game that's, like, really awesome. It's it's too bad you can't necessarily know ahead of time, though. I guess in the case of, like, Dragon Age, it kind of comes out pretty fast. But right, like, but you're yeah, excited about it at all. You know, they could they could they could pull that that trick again on you, and or whatever that same problem could persist in the next version. And well, actually, so many people like you know just were just outraged by that that like they they made like a little bridging comic to kind of help, and then um, 
And then in Dragon Age 2, there's there's no uh, there's no asking someone else to sleep with someone else and have a baby. So um, at least that's good. Okay. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like it would have been you know if you were a male character, you can just sleep with her, and that's you know it's that's it. Like in half the time, you're probably romancing her anyway, so it's no big deal. But gotcha. But as a female character, you don't have the parts, so you got to find somebody else to do it for you. <laughs> Is it really and important that, to the story? Like you can't well, move on without it. Yeah, because if you don't, if you say no to her, she leaves your party. So it's like in my game in particular, like I didn't know this was coming. So she was like my main. She was like my main crafter for like all my potions and stuff, and like I had given her all this awesome gear, and like so I was playing a rogue, and I didn't bring the other mage with me, so she had healing spells, and I mean I had her totally decked out, like she was, and we were friends, like you know her character, my character, her and my character were like they're like good friends, and so it was like, oh my god. No. <laughs> Get me triggers or I'm leaving. That's the storyline. Basically, well, yeah, I, yeah. That's oh, that's no. what it boils down to, and um, yeah, that's literally what she's like. If you don't go through with the, if you don't go through with her offer, then she leaves. And she and she also gets, if you also if you don't up anyway. No, and then <laughs> if like, you like, also if you if you don't go through with her offer, one of you dies. So like. If um if you don't take her up on the offer when you kill the when you go to kill the archdemon either you or Alistair is going to die your character Alistair so um oh I didn't realize that see because I was in a relationship with uh what's what's the the Barty lady whatever, whatever oh Liliana yeah, so I so I, I wouldn't sleep with Morgana with with Morgan and right and then Alistair died right yep yeah 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 I didn't want to kill myself it's like, it's like oh then can't play play Dragon Age 2 because I killed myself. So, so. Well, so there's actually like kind of like a triple whammy there because, all right, so if you're romancing Alistair and you bring him to kill the Archdemon, you haven't taken Morgan's offer, he will not let you kill the Archdemon. He will do it himself. You have to oh. leave him at the gate in oh. order to actually like sacrifice yourself. Otherwise, oh. he will sacrifice himself every single time. Oh. Oh. So it's like <laughs> it's just all around a bad deal. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like you guys love it still. Actually, um, you know, I was Dragon Age Two is a much better game, and um, I that was there was a point in Dragon Age, the original Dragon Age, where I was like, you know what, let the Archdemon take the ship because I'm done. Like, <laughs> this world sucks. <laughs> when I stopped caring about saving the world, that was a serious problem. <laughs> Yeah, I had such a hard time getting into to Dragon Age, and then a couple weeks went by, and I dreaded going back. And it's been a half a year now. Were you in the mines? I started off as a dwarf of no family history. Mm-hmm. Oh. So I came out of jail or something. I don't remember. I got I got so far as that I got out, and my sister was going to be a prostitute or something, <laughs> and... It's like, this is too much flavor. I just want to go hit something. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So those are my those are my questions and my answers. Interesting. So they, how do they impact your, you know, whatever your intent was with asking people, your design or anything? Or is it sort of a curiosity with 
potential implications later down the road or well, so the purpose of asking the questions is um you know as I mentioned in the July meeting, we're using the customer um customer de- development process, so you know we had a bunch of assumptions about that kind of relate to those like when do people game, what's their biggest pain point with the game, like who do they expect to solve it, what would they pay for it um so we had assumptions that we had made, and so we went out and asked people um, if those were true or not, <laughs> basically. Okay. So that's what we're trying to find out. So, like, among the, among the, you know, and even though our customer, even though, like, we're targeting a group of women that's, you know, from 25 to 64, um, we are also interviewing men on our customer panel um, because, one, we think that they'll want to play our games, too, but, two, um, just to kind of see what the different answers are, you know, among different people. Yeah, right. I know you don't want to, you don't want to live in your own head all the time with stuff. Right. So, anyways, thanks for thanks for playing along, guys. Mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> <That was> interesting. <laughs> all right. Well, I suppose we could probably. Um, move on to a couple of interesting little news items or whatever. Um, the one I've got is, would you guys be willing, interested in playing another real game or fake? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I have an interesting twist on this one because I don't know if you know, but it's the 20th anniversary of the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, wow. Ooh. It, it I'm came so out, old. Yep. It I came know. out. It came out. I believe I, I read August thirteenth was like the release date, but it didn't hit all stores until the twenty third. So August twenty third, nineteen ninety one. So what I've gone and done is I went through a giant list of uh, of Super uh, Nintendo games that I could find from nineteen ninety one, and I've picked some real ones, and I've made up some fakes. So, if you would like, I figure we'll just let you two play together and you can decide if you think it's real or not together. Okay. That way. All right. So, and um, I did this pretty hastily, so I'm hoping that the flavor text I copied... Oh, that's the other thing is, like, I can't necessarily stand by everything because it is from 1991. The Internet wasn't necessarily around. Mm -hmm. So I'm working off of what I could find, which is sometimes difficult to find, like the nice little blurb about a game. Mm-hmm. So some of these come from, you know, uh, Wiki, My Brain, Made Up, or like eBay, or etc. <laughs> so, alright. So the first game is called D-Force. An evil Middle Eastern dictator is threatening the world, and it's up to you to stop him. Hop into the cockpit of the D-Force, a powerful nuclear Apache attack helicopter, and steal yourself for some of the most intense combat you've ever seen. You'll have to make your way through seven brutal levels, which will take you to six countries in your search for the madman. Take on the best his army has to offer in the form of other copters, fighters, jets, and even some strange mutants that would like nothing better than to turn D-Force into scrap metal. So get out there and keep the world safe from another manacle, megalomaniac in D-Force. This is real to me. Yeah, I'm going to go through yeah. Yeah, powerful nuclear patch attack helicopter is real. <laughs> that was harder to read than I thought it would be. I thought it had enough of those crazy words in there that might throw you off a little bit. <laughs> All right, here you go. Kid in play. 
jump into the roles oh. of the real-life hip-hop duel Kid and Play before they were stars. Young Kid and Play get into some trouble and have to do a variety of good deeds in their neighborhood and errands to make up for their bad behavior. However, three thugs from school have decided to give them trouble and a lesson in behavior. This game is related to the TV cartoon show and stresses positive role models, teaching children how to get along with each other and stay out of trouble. That's real. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, I made that one up. Oh, wow. Oh, you did a good job. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get into some of the details at the end. All right, next one. Hyperzone. The desolate asteroid of the Hytian with your fingers on the trigger. You will never be the same after you experience the groundbreaking Perzone call for you. Test your driving skill on the dual track. Travel at hyperspeed over the surface of an asteroid as you search for the opposition with your finger on the trigger. You will never be the same. Uh, uh, groundbreaking 3D backgrounds and stereo sound. Try to stay in control as you travel through the hyperzone. I hope you wrote that. All the way to the hyperzone. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I I kind of want to say that's real. Yeah, that's real. Oh, I, they need, and, need a new rear. Yeah, well, that's part of the reason why I stipulated at the beginning is that you know, uh, and and oh, I guess I should also say these were games that were North America releases, not necessarily. Oh, and I also stayed away from like games that released on PC and then ported. Okay. So these were, for the most part, I was trying to not do that. All right, this this next one is good. Home Alone. The, tr- <laughs> the treasures of the McAllister home are up for grabs in this action-packed adventure game. Join young Kevin McAllister as he defends his household against those bumbling crooks Marvin Harry. But this time, Marvin Harry brought nasty reinforcements. Race through the gigantic mansion and, sh- and snare the bad guys in wicked booby traps. Uncover the hidden treasures and secure them in the family vault. Look out in the basement there. Help Kevin stop the wet bandits gang. I'm going to go with fake. Oh, true. true. It's very real. Ah, That's (laughs) so wrong. (laughs) It's very real. All right. All right. The next one. um, Robot jocks. (laughs) Fifty years after a nuclear holocaust, open war is forbidden by the surviving nations, which have merged into two opposing supernations, the American-influenced Western market and the Russian Confederation. To resolve conflicts, the market and Confederation hold gladiator-style matches between giant robots piloted by robot jocks. Pilot your robot jocks to defend your nation. Play as either side to obtain complete victory. Hmm, it's 91. Isn't the Cold War, like, almost over at this point? I don't remember when that... Was that 1990? Oh, my, my poor brain. Can't fake. Oh, you know what? You know what? I'm, that's fake. fake. I'm going to go with fake. It is fake. It's actually a movie from 91. <laughs> that sounded familiar for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a giant mech fighting movie from 1991. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, nice. that's a little unfair, too. I thought for sure you'd jump on it just because you'd be like, well, they had to make a mech warrior type game. Yeah, yeah. All right, this one's good. Ready? Hitler's yeah. Revenge. <laughs> oh, my God. History is in peril, and you are the only hope. This is your chance to rush the enemy, to crush the enemy once and for all. When your small Italian vision 
A village is attacked by an evil army. You are called into action. You play as Tony, an Italian deli owner (laughs) armed only with a steady supply of hoagies. You must make your way through the perilous world of danger to destroy the forces of evil. Did someone order a six-foot hero? Oh, that tagline is awesome. (laughs) I want the the deal. I do, too. (laughs) I'm going to say it's real. Real want it to be real. (laughs) <laughs> Six foot hero. <laughs> yeah, I I'm gonna be with Tori on this one. Even if it, I'm gonna cry if it's not real. Yeah, it's fake. Oh no! Yeah. no. It took. Well, I I did a search on the internet for fake SNES games, and this is one that came out there. But I added the flavor text that did someone order a six foot hero is my line. That's awesome. Oh, that's that. a good line. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's. It's real. You made it. <laughs> yeah. It's in the sentiment. <laughs> yeah. All right. Four more to go. Uh, Lagoon. In the far-off world of Lakeland, all was peaceful. This was until an evil being known as Zurch came and polluted all of the water, making people very sick. You play as Nasir, the champion of light, and, the, and are sent into the world to destroy the demons that seem to be linked to the muddy waters. On your quest of good, you'll come across people in need of need and help them. Lagoon is an action role-playing game. Mm, I don't know. It's like, it's probably real, but I'm going to say fake. Because it sounds I really say. boring. I, I own it. It's real. real. Oh. <laughs> do you know, do you know that game? Uh, yeah, yeah, I own it. Oh, do you? <laughs> But but I remember I remember eating, eating the back of it. I was like, oh god, god, this is just terribly. And it was terribly, terribly written. Yeah, it but, sounds but, really boring. But yeah, I, it does I, sound really boring. I, when when a, uh, a video video rentals not a business business, it's really cheap cheap. Yeah. But, was but, it fun? It, it was fun. The combat one. I mean I mean and if you if you kind of like don't really think about the story, it was it was entertaining. Okay. And I was at the age where I could, I could just be like, I'm like, I'm just story, story stuff. Yeah. I did. All right. I had never ever heard of it. It sounds like Waterworld, but boring. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe I could get you with the wow, he wrote something really boring. Okay, Bill Lambier's combat basketball. <laughs> when Bill Lambier played in the NBA, he wasn't exactly known for his sportsmanlike conduct. Now he's brought his brought his rough and tumble style of basketball action to the uh, Super Nintendo with Bill Lambier's combat basketball. It's the year 2030, and Lambier is the commissioner of Pro Basketball League. Seeing as he's in charge, he fires all the refs and throws the rule book out the window and makes basketball the way he likes it. Now players wear armor as weapons, and mines are thrown from the stands, adding a whole <laughs> new element to the game of hoops. You can create your own league of combat basketball by buying and selling players with up to seven other people in the league. Forget everything you know about the modern game of basketball and get ready for a futuristic look at the game with Bill Lambier's combat basketball. I want that to be real. I'm I'm a true. true. Yeah, I couldn't write that. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently that's real. That sounds awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, apparently, yeah, I had to look up who Bill Lambier was and... And it turns out he was like known as one of the bad boys of the Pistons, and he was also one of the kids from Land of the Lost. Weird, weird. Yeah, I'm like, oh, random. Yeah. Random. All right, Ultraman: Towards the Future. 
Ultraman is the ultimate warrior and protector of peace in the entire universe. For eons, he's been fighting an intergalactic battle against Guids, an evil virus that attempts to wipe out all competing life forms. Now the Gudis, Gudis virus has infected Earth, producing a horrifying group of mutant monsters to carry out its goal of complete obliteration of life on the planet. Ultraman no. will now battle Gudius and his mutant monsters on Earth. It's a one-on-one fighting game where Ultraman beats away his greatest enemies. Oh, I'll hmm. say safe on that one. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with fake. It's it's real. <laughs> oh, and wow. Best I could tell, it's the first Ultraman video game. Okay. Which I believe I thought was... it was. I thought you were going to fool us with the movie thing again. Yeah. <laughs> Ultraman, we all know, I'm pretty sure, but. <laughs> all right. One more, and I haven't even been keeping track. Uh, Trimmers. Trimmers is based on the <laughs> successful Trimmers movie franchise, created by the Universal Pictures and Stampede Entertainment. The game is third-person action-adventure set in the desert around the town of Gold Rock, where Graboids, gigantic land sharks, threatens mankind as we know it. Trimmers is a single-player, third-person survival horror action title uh, based on the movies and television series of the same name. Gameplay elements include finding creative methods to avoid walking on the ground, hiding characters' bodies, heat signatures, and battling with ranged and melee weapons against various types of graboids. I'm going to go with fake because, like, it describes gameplay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to fake fake. I love the line. uh, Find creatives to to not not walk on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) That's an awesome line, though. <laughs> okay, it is fake, actually. The, the Trimmers came out in 90, the movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and it wasn't until 2002 that a Trimmers video game uh, was, was announced for the PS2, and it got canceled. Hmm. And that description actually is partially from their, their announcement. Gosh, that's hilarious, yes. Yeah, most of the time I just take out the gameplay stuff, but I didn't have a lot to write about there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So there you go. Very cool. Thank you, man. Awesome, awesome. 20 yeah. years. The Super Nintendo. 20 years. That's... Oh, here's the, here's the interesting thing. It's like, oh, I'll get them. I'll, I'll, I'll find movies from the era, and, and that'll be like something I could trick you with a couple times, right? And it turns out almost every effing movie from the 90s was made into a Super Nintendo game. <laughs> Robocop, you know, Rambo, um, uh, Total Recall, all these movies that were right from that era that would have been right pick, and they made games out of them. Yeah. Did they make, like, a Reservoir Dogs movie? <laughs> or <laughs> that game? Was, that was 98? <laughs> 96? No, no, Reservoir Dogs came out before that. It's before Pulp Fiction. Oh, yes. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I was in high school when Reservoir Dogs came out. So yeah. I remember. Just looked it up. 92. 92, yeah, that would have been right around. So, yeah, it turns out that just about every popular movie from my childhood that was action-y or television show or cartoon had a video game. Everything. Tales, Except Legend. Tales, made a Legend, legend video oh, really? Game. I bet it did. Hilarious, yes. 
what year did that movie come out? Eighty five. So that that's probably not hopping on the thing soon yeah. enough. But hmm. okay, so I have this story I have to tell you guys before oh, yes. we go. Like this is kind of like day in the life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> okay. So um, earlier this month. I was at my doctor's for, like, my yearly checkup kind of thing. And I had saw my doctor. You know, I've, I've been going to the same doctor for, like, maybe, like, three or four years now. And um, so, like, I have a rapport with her. And uh, <laughs> I told her in November before I left for Africa because I saw her before that because I needed to get a checkup, et cetera, and a bunch of shots before the Africa trip. So I told her about the business and, and things like that, and we'd been making small talk about it. So we came in, she's like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to, like, pitch for funding, and, you know, it's, like, makes me nervous. So it's like my blood pressure might be a little high, like, <laughs> kind right, of thing. Right, yep. And she's like, oh, you're going to pitch for funding, you know. And then exam goes on. Literally, this woman is giving me a breast exam, and she's like, she's like, oh, you know, I would totally be interested in, like, looking at your business plan. And I'm like, this is really awkward, like, right now. Like, I just don't even know what to do. Like, it's like, I'm, like, trying to, you know, because, like, it, you know, usually when all that's going on, you're just making small talk or whatever, like, just to distract you from the fact that someone's doing that to you. But it's like, it's like, it's like, oh, she's interested in actually, like, investing in my business. Like, but... You know, she could have waited until, like, <laughs> yeah. we, were, we were done. <laughs> I feel really vulnerable at the moment, you know? So that's my story. So it, as it turned out, she is interested in investing in my business, and we exchanged contact information. And so after I had closed back on, so it was like, uh, <laughs> it, it was... Uh, is a little bit more comfortable at that point. But yeah, I mean, does that happen to people? I mean, seriously. Like, does that really happen to people? Because that seriously just happened to me. <laughs> that is that is awesome. It's like a, it gives like a whole different meaning to like, you know, investor pitching. Like, if that's <laughs> what's going to go on. Oh. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, uh, there's, there's, I just, I'm, just, I'm not gonna do anything because, because <laughs> I, I get, yeah, I get, yeah, I get to the, 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 the debacle, debacle of the gym last time, this time happened, and then <laughs> <laughs> there's a I, cough joke in there somewhere. But I know, no, <laughs> that's so good. That's, yeah, that's, I was that's just, a great it, story. it was just like, seriously, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, I no, just, it won't be. <laughs> Won't be weird until you meet her next time and she has yeah, to fill you up in order to do our business. <laughs> I guess the upside is that she thinks that I'm healthy enough to like and <laughs> give me money. So. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. So Bad story. Bad yeah. Story. It's just very weird and random. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, Tori, do you want to do you have a, anything else to add or Oh, oh yeah, just really short. Um, um uh, just, just I found her in her device that I said I thought was kind of singing and <laughs> hopefully we can fucking fight it, fight it come with the last two. Um but I mean this is this one isn't really really very funny, but interesting, interesting. It's it's uh it's called the Future video game video game but muscle muscle sisters. And uh, uh 
Electromyography EMG sensors can decode muscle signals signals from the surface of the person from certain certain gestures. Researchers attach sensors to their forearms and build a restoration library by monitoring signals related to Easter. The product uh, project, project emerges collaborative effort between between SASAF, University of Washington and Seattle, and the University of University of Toronto and Canada. And, uh, is oh, it, yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's interesting. Is this the one where like you wear something on your wrist, but if you tap your thumb and pinky together, it makes a different signal than if you tap your thumb and middle finger together? You, Have you ever you seen could. that? Yeah, yeah. Or you you could literally tap on your on your hand with your other hand, and it can tell the difference to where you're tapping. Oh. Just yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. I'm one, ex- one example, and this other one have have someone that's just putting their um their um their their, their, their arm, and, okay. and it's just it's, it's telling that. But they're 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 also trying trying to use this locations locations where people have um have, uh, eggs on, and and it 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 it's what you're doing. Uh, and then you know, feeds back the into the into the prosthetic. Okay. Yeah, but then they're they're also saying that you that you air air guitar and say a um a real guitar. Uh, oh, like, oh, like a rock, rock band and, and and stuff like. Sure. So not not even even a tar in your hand, your hands, putting that and that. But 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 you know a lot of a lot of interesting this could because because you know if you could attach stuff up somewhere somewhere there's there's that you wouldn't have to use use, and you know I mean yeah I don't know it's interesting interesting like like the the turning turning your thing thing that um something something needed as a camera you could just have some have some neck and you turn your head your head if you're if you're in a drag game game it change things the. Uh, you know, working or king or something like. So yeah, this could be real interesting, but obviously it's in, it's in, in its infancy point point. Sure. Yeah, I was wondering if it was the same one that I had seen with where people did wore it on the wrist or something, and you literally just you know you could do all sorts of typing just by hitting different parts of your thumb to the finger or tapping your hand. It was really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, eh, eh, that, that's yeah, that is really that. interesting. Tying it into peeing, though, is difficult for me at the moment. <laughs> but but kiss it. kissing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, well. Some places I'm just not willing to put sensors. <laughs> right. Right. Like your elbow. Elbow. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah. The, the back of my knee. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. just be awkward. Well, I got all right, yeah, I'm willing to call it a wrap. All right. Thanks for joining us, us folks. Excellent yeah, time. thank you. Yep, thanks for listening. Um, I would like to direct you towards the website, igdatc.org. Um, we have meetings the second Wednesday of every month, basically. Uh, sometimes the announcements take a little while, as we discussed earlier, but you can generally plan quite a bit ahead. Um, I would like to say a big thank you to the nerdery. They've They've been great at hosting us. Yes, which is which is wonderful, and and providing pizzas, yes, and sodas and rooms. So big thanks to them. Yeah. I should have the video of August's presentation up here in the next couple of days, and I think that's a wrap. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to say is the two things: the list for email. You can sign up on that and see what we're doing in the community stuff. And um, the other thing is that the, although the meetings are IGDA-related, you don't necessarily have to be a member to attend. So they are open to the public. But we totally. strongly suggest that you have an interest in video games. <laughs> Development and that's, that's a wrap. Thank you. All right.
Cut. <laughs> Adi- adios. <laughs> yeah. Good night. Good night, folks. Good night. The quality of the call is getting pretty bad for me. Is it for you guys? No, it sounds normal. Do I sound okay? Yeah. Okay. Note note that.